You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Genesis chapter 35, verses 1 through 7, Jacob returns to Bethel. Sometime after the Dinah incident in Shechem, perhaps 8 to 10 years later, God tells Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Bethel was the place where Jacob had the dream of a ladder, or stairway, between heaven and earth. There he built an altar and made a vow to God. God is reminding him it was now time to fulfill the vow he made. In preparation for this, Jacob instructs his family and servants to get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Doing these things signified cleansing from defilement and dedicating oneself to God. But what use are clean clothes if there is not also a clean heart? Why they had idols is not clear, but these would include the teraphim that Rachel stole from her father Laban as they fled from Paddan Aram. He told them the reason for this cleansing. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. He acknowledged that God had faithfully answered his prayer for deliverance from Esau, and has not left his side as he promised. They gave Jacob all their idols and their earrings, which often were associated with idolatry. That they responded so quickly and thoroughly makes one wonder if he should have done this earlier, so they would have been rid of them sooner. He buried them under the oak tree at Shechem, which was probably the same tree associated with Abraham in Genesis 12.6. We're not told why he didn't burn them instead, but since they weren't returning there, they were out of sight. And this is an example that fathers should lead in family worship at home and be aware of the spiritual state of the people under his care. Not only had living in Shechem led to the rape of Dinah and the slaughter or enslavement of its population, but over time they influenced Jacob's family and they became idol worshippers, perhaps secretly. Then they set out, and far from the retaliation from their neighbors that Jacob had feared, were told the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. This seems like a supernatural fear and not necessarily related to what they had heard Jacob's sons had done to the inhabitants of Shechem. There is no need to fear if God is for us who can be against us. They arrived safely in Bethel, still in Canaan. He built another altar and reaffirmed the name he had given it before with a slight change, El Bethel or God of the house of God, because this was where God had revealed himself on Jacob's first time through. It's not the place so much as the God of the place. Religious places and religious ordinances are meaningless if we don't meet God in them. Verse 8, Death of Deborah. Then we're told that Rebekah's nurse, Deborah, died and was buried there near Bethel, under an oak or terebinth tree. They named the place Terebinth of Weeping. She would have been one of the maidservants sent out with Rebekah, Jacob's mother, when she left Syria. This was the first time we learn her name. She must have had a significant influence on, the li- on their lives to be mentioned in Scripture. And why she was with them and not back in Hebron with Rebekah 
suggests that Rebecca may have died at this point, so she left to live with Jacob's family. This is just speculation since we are not told. Verses 9 to 15, Covenant Reaffirmed. Now in Bethel, God appears to Jacob again, blesses him and reaffirms his name change from Jacob to Israel and some elements of the covenant with Abraham and Isaac. I am God Almighty, be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. The land I give to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you and I will give this land to your descendants after you. So first there was the hint of the original command to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, which was then repeated to Noah's family after the flood. The three elements of blessing, descendants and nations, and the land are repeated. The promise of future royalty, kings, had also been promised to Abraham and Sarah. David and his descendants would be those kings. God will fulfill all his promises in due time, and provide for them in the meantime. Jacob is now linked with Abraham and Isaac in the covenantal promises, and throughout scripture their names will be joined as if it was one promise, because it was. This was not just an appearance in a dream, as it sometimes is, but a theophany or visible manifestation of God, since we're told that after God spoke with him, he went up from the place where he had talked with him. Jacob's response is to mark the place and worship there. He set up a stone pillar and poured out a drink offering and oil on it. This was a common way to mark covenants, as Jacob had done there many years earlier. The place was known as Bethel from then on. It was formerly Luz. Sadly, in Israel's future, it will be one of the places King Jeroboam will set up idol worship. 2 Kings 10 tells us, So Jehu destroyed Baal worship in Israel. However, he did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit, the worship of the golden calves at Bethel and Dan. Verses 16 to 20, Death of Rachel. As they are traveling, we are told that Rachel is nearing the end of her second pregnancy, which is an answer to her prayer that when she had Joseph, God would give her another son as well. Even if she was much younger than Jacob when they married, she was now quite elderly, so it's not surprising that childbirth would kill her. The other women in the family had stopped bearing children years earlier. As they neared Ephrath, which uh, was an early name for Bethlehem, she was in hard labor. She lived long enough to know she had borne a son. Because of her grief in knowing she would die, she named him Ben-Oni, or son of my sorrow. Women usually named the children they bore, as we saw in chapters 29 and 32. But after she died, Jacob changed his name to Benjamin, or son of my right hand, which gave him a place of honor. He would be a support to him, like the staff he carried in his right hand because of his limp. Shout out to my grandson, Benjamin. He didn't want to recall her death every time he called his son's name. When she was barren, she cried out to Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Now she had children and did die. There may or may not be a shadow of Jacob's vow that whoever stole Laban's idols would die, but we are not told. As mentioned before, burial always follows the mention of a death. Burial shows the most respect for the body. 
Jacob marked her tomb, and at the time of the recording of this episode by Moses, this memorial could still be seen north of Bethlehem. Verses 21 to 22, Reuben's Transgression The family of Israel moved from there to a place called Migdal, Eder, which had a watchtower for shepherds. They lived there for some time. While there, Reuben slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah. The reason for this is not given. As firstborn, Reuben already had a preeminent position and would inherit a double portion of his father's estate. But to sleep with the concubine in other circumstances would be seen as a power grab. It was as if he wanted his birthright now while his father was still alive. It was already his by right, but his actions resulted in its loss. However, it may have just been him acting on his lust, and this will be forbidden when the law is given. Deuteronomy 22.30 says, A man is not to marry his father's wife. He must not dishonor his father's bed. And we're told Israel heard of it. Did Reuben think such a thing would remain a secret? But as in the Dinah incident, Jacob's response is inaction. He won't forget it, like he won't forget what Levi and Simeon did, but he avoids the confrontation for now. He deals with the difficult issues by not dealing with them. Verses 23 to 26, the twelve sons of Jacob. Then we have a listing of the twelve sons of Jacob. Elsewhere they are listed in a different order. Here they are recorded based on their mothers. The six sons of the first wife, Leah, were Reuben, the firstborn. Then Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The two sons of his second wife, Rachel, were Joseph and Benjamin. The two sons of Rachel, servants Bilhah, were Dan and Naphtali. Finally, the two sons of Leah's servant, Zilpah, were Gad and Asher. We are told these were born to him outside of Canaan. Verses 27 to 29, the death of Isaac. Jacob arrives safely back to his family in Hebron, so named because of the Hebrews, also formerly known as Mamre, near Kirjath Arba, um, where both Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. This is a fulfillment of God's promise to him to return to his father's house in peace. His father Isaac, who was sure his death was imminent 43 years earlier when he made his will, lived to the age of 180. We will not die any sooner than our appointed day, yet it's always wise to have our affairs in order. Isaac's death is described this way. Then he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, old and full of years. This was his epitaph. This also reminds us that death is not the end, but a reunion with those who have gone on before. Since Rebecca is not mentioned, we can safely assume she had predeceased her husband. So twenty years earlier, when she sent Jacob away to her brother Laban for a little while, meant that they would never see each other again. Then, after reconciling with his twin brother Esau, they did not see each other again until they met to bury their father. And this is like Isaac and Ishmael, who reunited only to bury their father Abraham. Funerals often bring family members together who would normally remain apart. And these deaths mark the end of one era and the beginning of another. Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads are hints of Jesus Christ 
or an application to the gospel to be found in this chapter. Jacob leads his family in spiritual matters, encouraging them to put away sin and worship God. Fathers are to lead their families. In the reaffirmation of the covenant, Jacob or Israel was promised that kings would be his descendants. This would include David and Solomon, but the greater fulfillment would be through Jesus, a descendant of David and the king of kings, and heaven as the promised land. This chapter is a mixture of blessing and grief, blessing over the birth of Benjamin and grief over the death of loved ones, Deborah, Rachel, and Isaac, and grief over the sin of those who should know better. Reuben was a child, not a child, but a man. Blessings come even in the midst of great sorrow and trial. Believers may often suffer and die. This life is a mix of smiles and tears, but we look to the day when he will wipe every tear from, our, from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Genesis chapter 36. May God bless the study of his word.